Uh, I love New Year's resolutions. I think they're, they're, they're like a fantastic community ritual uh, of, of changefulness and growth and just an exercise of commitment that is healthy for anyone's heart, anyone uh, that, that commits to a change, I think is doing a, a healthy thing. It's a great community ritual for changefulness and growth, and there is something about the new year that breeds a little extra faith in people, a little extra uh, positive peer pressure uh, for, for us. Now, I think uh, it really, like, resolutions really lend themselves to just the proper attitude for pursuing the kingdom of God, because if there's one thing that, that, uh, that Jesus makes clear about the kingdom of God on earth is that it brings a certain sort of newness with it. And he talks about this in just dozens of, of different ways. The kingdom of God on earth is all about new. It's all about renewal. And those of us who seek it must constantly live a life of renewing, making things new. Let me ask you a question uh, today. Is it another day, or is it a new day? And there's something about that shift that I think says a lot about our attitude of faith. We need to be constantly renewing. You know, His mercies are new every morning. We need to constantly be freshening. God is doing a new thing. We need to constantly be reevaluating because that's a path uh, to growth. We've got to be making space for growth and, and, and progress in life because the rule of nature is grow or die, right? Adapt positively or decay, not so positively. That's life on earth. Jesus talks about being born again. I mean, you talk about a statement of making things new and renewal. If you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you must be born again. There, there is no more extreme picture of making things new than rebirth, starting everything all over again. He talks about the kingdom of God in terms of new wineskins. Look, if you want to pursue God on earth, if you want to be part of what He's doing on this planet, then you need new wineskins, which, if you don't know the metaphor, uh, you need new skins that are flexible and that can grow and expand. Uh, because old skins are not flexible and they're brittle, and if you put new wine, fermenting, gas-releasing wine into them, they burst. You have to be flexible. You have to be expansive in your attitude toward life. You have to be willing to change if you want to pursue the things of God, Jesus says. And he says that over and over again. New wineskins, new garments, new clothes he talks about. Uh, he talks about the phenomenal growth of the little mustard seed. He uses mustard seed parables more than once in his teachings because it's such a tiny seed. And he said, it's just a little seed. When you plant it in your garden, it becomes the biggest plant in the garden. It just grows out of control. And he says, the kingdom of God is like this. Anything that starts small will multiply if you're doing it right. If you're pursuing the things of God, things will get a little bit out of control. If you start seeking Jesus a little bit and you do it right, pretty soon it will be all Jesus all the time. That's just the nature of things. And you have to be willing to flex, to adapt. You have to be willing to make changes. And as soon as you're not, the whole thing shuts down. The whole, you, you start missing it. It starts passing you by. 
So be mindful of that attitude of renewal. That's a basic Jesus teaching. That's, that's Jesus 101. That's kingdom of God 101. And so it's, it's worth it at, on any day, but I think particularly at New Year's, to kind of think about, well, you know, how am I doing? How's my attitude? Am I new? Or am I sort of, what's the opposite? Just static, unchanging. And that's a good measure of how you're doing uh, spiritually. The word repentance means to think in a new way. Just sort of like refresh your mind, to renew the attitude of your mind, as Paul says in uh, in Ephesians 4. Um, Think in a, in a, in a forward sort of way. New, new, new. Change, change, change. Impact, endeavor, adventure. It's really what the kingdom of God is about. Or it's about try. It's about being willing to try things. If you want to be a person of faith, basic statement. Try something. Try something. And if you want to grow in your faith, try something. What am I going to say? New. Try something new, because expansion is in the new, or the renewed, as the case uh, may be. Most of the time, that's what faith boils down to, trying something, basic as it gets. Faith is never static. And frankly, you're never perfect. So you could use a little change, growth, and adjustment. So just turn to the person next to you and say, you could use a little change. Go ahead, go ahead. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, you know, it's all, it's all love. It's all love, but yeah, we know. We, I'm not pointing fingers, but. Um, and then finally, there's this. Do you want to change the world? Do you want to change the world? Um. Well, it's going to be hard to change the world if you can't change yourself. Uh, and so a healthy exercise is always, you know, changing yourself. If you can't change yourself, the amount of faith that you have to change the world around you will be roughly zero. And Jesus knows that. Uh, and so he's always coaching us uh, to, uh, to change ourselves. So here's our warm-up question. That was a long prelude. We've got to do warm-ups now. So everybody roll your shoulders, crack your neck, give a high-five to the person next to you. Say, it. Hey. I'm going to do it. Here's our warm-up question. And it's a deep one. This is not a throwaway question. This is, this is a deep one, all right? Warm-up question. First warm-up question for 2019. How did you change in 2018? Yeah, I told you. That's not a throwaway question. How did you change? I'm going to give you 60 seconds to think about it. 60 seconds of brilliance and insight. How did you change in 2018? Go. All right, so for how many of you was that a pretty easy automatic question? It's like, oh, this is how I changed. That's interesting. So, so maybe 15% of you. For how many of you was that a really hard question? It's like, actually, I'm not sure. How many of you just don't have the guts to answer my questions? <laughs> Something for you to change in, in 2019. 
How many of you, when I asked that question, had this response? Oh, I didn't change for the better. So it immediately struck you as a heavy question. For how many of you did it immediately strike you as a light question? It's like, yes. And those reactions and those, you know, those responses, those sorts of secondary questions are all, you know, decent measures of, of kind of how you're doing spiritually, I think. I'm not going to ask you for your answers, but I'm going to ask you to continue to think about it. You know, how did you change in 2018? Because in some way, I don't know, that's one of those primary discipleship questions uh, that we should be asking ourselves. In, in every life, in every life after God, as Blue Water people know, it's vitally important to have a mission. You have to be purpose-led. You have to know what you're trying to accomplish in the world. And if you do not, then your life is going to be adrift, and it will be hard for you to be salt and light. It will be hard for you to be a difference maker. So you have to have a, a pretty specific idea of what your mission is in life, what your mission is today, uh, how it breaks down. And every mission needs a method that it's one thing to kind of know what you want to accomplish, but it's something entirely different to know how you're going to go about accomplishing it. And if you know what you're supposed to do, but you have no plan, you have no method, you, know how, you have no practical steps, then as a result, you won't do anything to accomplish what you're supposed to. You'll just kind of drift in life. And a lot of people get stuck that way. Uh, knowing your purpose, I think, is actually fairly easy. Coming up with a, a method uh, that you do on a daily basis, that's usually the hard part. That's usually where the challenge is. So you have to have a mission, and every mission needs a method. You absolutely must know what you're about today, and you absolutely must know what you're going to do about it today. If you want to live a life worth living, those two things have to be true for you. And we talk about that a lot at Blue Water Mission and lots of teachings, lots of scriptures thrown at you uh, to help you to understand it. So by now, I hope that's familiar territory. If you don't know what you're about and if you don't know how to go about doing it right away, then chaos is going to get you. Chaos is going to kick your butt because the world is in chaos. It's not neutral. If you try to stand still, if you opt to just stand still today, you won't stand still. You'll be taken away with the current of chaos, with the turbulence. Things are not neutral, as Paul says in Ephesians 5. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are harmful. The days are evil, depending on your translation. The world is not neutral. You have to be on it. Everybody say, on it. It's another, another uh, reason I really like the exercise of resolutions. Uh, I, uh, every, every, uh, every first Sunday in January, I, I throw some good resolution uh, scriptures at you. I went with Philippians this year from Philippians 3. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, taken hold of what I'm after, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. How's that for a New Year's scripture? I mean, that's, that's got first Sunday in January written all over it. It's like, look, I, I'm, I'm after this thing. I'm trying to live a life worth living. I'm trying to live a purposeful life. I'm trying to live a life after God. I'm trying to be salt and light in the world. And you know what? I'm not perfect yet. 
I haven't, I haven't really nailed it yet, but here's my attitude. Here's what I do. I forget the past. I don't beat myself up over my mistakes, but I press on, right? I press on. I am on it. I'm on it every day. I know what I do, and every day I slap myself in the face and I say, press forward, press forward. And we did a Life of Paul sermon series this year, and that's the one constant that we saw throughout Paul's life. Some crazy stuff went down for that guy, some crazy opposition, some crazy challenges, some crazy disappointment, some crazy confusion, but he never stopped the mission. The dude went to work every day. And what are you talking about, man? You have to be, you have to be a press-on sort of person. Uh, That's the one thing I do, he says. That's one thing I commit to every day. There's that. That's what defines me. I love that verse. Maturity equals having a godly goal and pressing toward it every day. That's spiritual maturity. That's life maturity, uh, in my opinion. Life is that which tries. You've got to know your goal, and then you've got to press on it consistently. Press on, on your method. And, and the passage boils it down for us. It makes me think of one of our favorite sayings around blue water. Discipleship equals follow through. Discipleship is follow through. Discipleship is follow through. Jesus gives lots of teachings about that. He who hears these commands of mine and does them is like a man who builds his house on a rock. He's safe, secure, and awesome. He who hears these words of mine and does not do them, well, that's like a guy who builds his house on sand. The first crisis comes along, the whole thing's going to collapse. The difference is follow through. It's not your understanding. It's not your scriptural knowledge. It's whether or not you press on it. You know, uh, faith is, is, is really not what you believe. Faith is how you wield what you believe. How you do it. Faith is try. And discipleship is follow-through. This is all pretty familiar blue water territory. Just give me an amen if you've heard that sermon before. Yeah. So there's this mission. You have to have a method. And then what's the third M? Anybody know? Mindset. You have to have a mindset. You have to have the right attitude. I think faith is primarily attitude, right? It's not what you believe. It's how you wield what you believe. It's how you approach life. It's what you do with what you believe. As James says in his epistle, hey, even the devils believe in the one true God. <laughs> right? The fact that you believe in God doesn't really help you. But do you live it out in a certain way? That's really what faith is, how you approach things. Do you approach things with fear, with caution, or do you approach things with, you know, what, what would be uh, the right faith uh, approach uh, to life. I think faith is the attitude that says God to do, could do something amazing right here, right now. I think that's a good way to summarize uh, faith attitude. Your attitude is the most contagious thing about you. We talked about that early this year. People don't necessarily want to know what you believe, but people will hungrily absorb all the faith attitude that you manifest because the whole world is afraid. And what they're hungry for is not your doctrinal belief set. What they're hungry for is a fearless faith attitude. 
And if you manifest that in your life, in your offices, in your homes, in your classrooms, then people will flock around you because they're hungry for faith, and it's contagious. They're hungry for deep, abiding confidence because the whole world is afraid. That's the best thing you have to offer in the first instance in every relationship you have is faith attitude. Now, you might eventually get the opportunity to explain how you arrived at that faith attitude, and that's where your beliefs come in. So your beliefs about God's character and the story of God and stuff like that, right? But there's a difference between belief and, and faith attitude. I think it's significant. Uh, second scripture, also from Philippians, Philippians 4, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's a classic. How many of you knew that verse already? I mean, that's like one of those all-time memory verses, right? I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yeah, I think the NOV translation used to be, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Uh, that's the one I see on tattoos all the time. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a faith statement, right? I mean, that's, a, that's an attitude adjustment right there. And, and they can just hear the way that Paul says that. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I imagine him saying that to himself every day, every morning, you know. That's what Nick's going to say when he gets up in the morning and he's making that cup of coffee for me. He's going to be like, I can do all things through him. He gives me strength, right? Because he's the attitude master. Am I right, Nick? He is now. Um, do you believe that? You know, do you preach that to yourself? Because you can stoke faith. I mean, attitude is a choice. Losing my hair up here. Uh, and it's a powerful thing to know about your discipleship is that you get to choose your attitude. If you let it happen to you, chaos will kick your butt. But if you, like Paul, are a little bit of, have a little bit of swagger, hey, you know what? I can do all things through God who gives me strength. It's like, yeah, I'm on that. Then your days will go much better. And that's what you need. Uh, to pursue the method that will lead to your mission. All right, what I want to do uh, this morning is I want to think about resolutions. A good resolution will, you know, will be like a mission, like some purpose, some goal with you worth pursuing, some change worth making uh, this year. Uh, you're going to have to think of a method, how you're going to go about doing it. Otherwise, it's an incomplete resolution. There's a ton of literature on, out there about goal setting, uh, the latest rage in, in, in the research literature is uh, don't set goals, set systems. Don't think about what you want to accomplish. Think about how, what you have to do today to get there. It's like don't, don't think about losing 20 pounds. Think about how you get to the gym today, right? So that sort of thinking goes into setting. Not that any of you need to lose 20 pounds. Uh, I'm thinking about it, but. Um, think about your, your changes. Think about the methods that you're going to need to uh, fulfill them. And in a few minutes, you're going to fill out these resolution cards, uh, which Antonio, though he has gone, made arrangements uh, for stuffing into your bulletin. I think, they, I think you have two, right? You can share them uh, with the person next to you if they didn't grab a bulletin or if you make a mistake because nobody's perfect and everybody's worth changing a little bit. You can just sort of Grab a pen and start going. 
for just a second, I want to return to uh, how did you change this year. Uh, and I want to do that by just kind of very briefly sketching our year in review, at least in terms of what we've done at church, in terms of, of sermon content. I, I often do this in the first Sunday of the year as well. It's like, hey, this is what we've discussed this year, in case you forgot. And I find it helps me think about how I've changed this year, uh, because after all, I mostly preach to myself. Uh, we started this year uh, with a sermon series on knowing your message, on like being salt and light. Do you remember that? And we talked about, do you know what your message is? Do you know how you would articulate what you want to say to the world? Do you know what you want to say to the world? You know, one of the things that I want to say to the world is faith is try. That's a big deal for me, and I have a way that I talk about that. I have a way that I drop that into any number of different conversations. Know your message and know how you say what it is that you have to say in your life to the others around you. Know that your attitude is more contagious than what you say. So part of your message will be the messenger. Part of your message will always be you and what your attitude is. What you preach is what your attitude is in life. Do you remember that sermon series? Well, you do now. Um, and uh, our goal is to spread faith, to spread faith, to spread faith attitude so that people might believe the right things, the true things. All sorts of ways to do that. Have some idea about how you go about doing it. Otherwise, the chaos will get you and you'll do nothing. Be clear on how you are salt and light. Be clear on how you uniquely, specifically preach in this world of chaos. Then we did a sermon series on understanding culture. Do you remember that one? Um, that was an interesting one. Um, and the reason we talked about that is because, you know, culture is out there in the atmosphere. It's sort of these largely unquestioned norms and expectations and social habits that really affect people strongly. And one of the reasons culture affects people strongly is because you don't think about it, right? It's just sort of in the air. And so it's worth really thinking about, well, what's out there in the culture and what's pressing on us mentally, what's influencing us without us really thinking about it? You know, it's going to be in media, it's going to be online, it's going to be in conversations, it's going to be in in, you know, the art that we imbibe and, and stuff like that. And we talked about how culture today in this country is largely a deconstructionist culture, which happens in every great society eventually. There's this way in which societies at a certain point decide to eat themselves, to question everything that got them to where they are. It's happened to whole bunches of civilizations through history. We talked about that a little bit. It affects money culture. It affects political culture in a big way. It affects sex culture in a big way. Money, sex, and power, all these things uh, that really kind of define how we relate to one another. Um, and uh, God calls us primarily to a constructionist culture. One of the first commandments is honor your father and your mother. Not because your father and mother are perfect, but because, you know, you can't just cut yourself off from what got you here. That will always end badly. 
we want to be able to pass on the blessing of the generation above us to the generation below us and uh, not give in to the social frenzy that disallows that. There are reasons for that, but it's worth thinking about whether you're standing against the cultural momentums or going with the cultural momentums unthinkingly, and that's the key phrase. Don't do anything unthinkingly. Uh, know, know where you're at. Uh, then we did uh, a sermon series on the life of Paul. I already mentioned that. No matter what happened in Paul's life, he stayed on task. He stayed on mission, uh, even when he was in circumstances that would make any sane person despair in spite of setbacks, in spite of confusion. Paul's call was, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. That's what Jesus said, calling Paul. Uh, Sometimes suffering is part of it, but the mission is the mission. We had an all-church retreat. Uh, The content of the all-church retreat uh, was all about how to build a day, how to intentionally going about building a, we called it a blue water day, but building a kingdom day that's full of purpose and intent. We talked specifically about making assignments for yourself. Ben talked about that uh, when he was uh, chatting with us during the worship set. It's like, you know, do you have your assignment for this year? you have your assignment for this day? And I'm glad that's part of our language now. You know, this is what I'm doing right now. This is what I'm doing right now. Because if you don't know, the current will take you away. Chaos will kick your butt. Our culture will overwhelm you. You have to know what you're about. Making assignments. And then we sort of wrapped up with the life of David, uh, who was introduced to us as a man after God's own heart. And we asked ourselves the question, well, what makes David a man after God's own heart? And evidently it had something to do with his desire to live by a code of honor. Uh, He had certain things that were non-negotiable. When he forgot that code, his life became super destructive. When he remembered it, he did extraordinary uh, feats of courage and stamina. Um, It's important to have a code in your life. It's important to have some things that are just sort of non-negotiable for you. It's part of knowing who you are, but It's a big part of navigating the world, and it's a big part of becoming trustworthy, and you want to be a trustworthy person uh, for the Lord. All right, that was our year in review. How did it change you? Did any of that change you? Were there any changes that you made in your life connected to how we were changing as a community? And if so, maybe your attitude is, okay, I'm going to build on those in 2019. Or if not, maybe you're like, all right, I have to go back and make sure I change for sure now in 2019. That sort of reflection uh, gives you um, some projection uh, into the new year, perhaps. Here's how I changed this past year. Um, I think I became uh, simpler and more disagreeable. Amen. Uh, uh, What I mean by that is I think I became clear about, you know, the two or three things in life that are most non-negotiable for me, sort of in my code, so to speak. And I became disagreeable in the sense that... um, uh, I'm a little more able 
uh, to articulate my disagreement with certain things. You know, I'm, I'm able to say what needs to be said a bit more freely than I was uh, in previous years. Um, if you don't agree with me, fine. Um, I feel like I, I usually do well on the grace side of things. Uh, but I've gotten better at sort of articulating truth, or at least how I see things, uh, my, my perspective, and have found the freedom in that. That's what I mean by simpler. I'm not going to pussyfoot around uh, as much as, as I would uh, in, the, in the past. Um, my basic pattern is, I love you, and here's what I see the truth is, and I love you. I've been meditating on that phrase a lot. You know what I mean by that? Do you get it? I love you. Here's what I see the truth is. I love you. You have to punctuate the sentence at the beginning and the end uh, with love and grace. But in the middle, you have to be able to really articulate truth. And, you know, I've been walking with Christ a long time, but I'm still working on that. Um, and I've done a slightly better job at it, uh, particularly late in 2018. All right, that's all the stalling you get. Time to fill out your cards. Grab a pen. Now, last week, Antonio gave you a warning uh, that you would be doing that. In fact, we pass out these tar- cards so you could practice. So everybody uh, who's a Blue Water regular should have uh, some idea in mind. If you're visiting with uh, this morning, uh, sorry, sorry for you know, the awkwardness and putting you on the spot, but not really. This is kind of what we do around here. Uh, so I'll give you uh, 90 seconds to fill out your resolution card. Uh, and uh, it steps you through it uh, pretty easily, I think. What are one or two things about yourself or your life that you resolve to change beginning early in 2019? So you have to be on it right away, otherwise it doesn't count. One or two things that you resolve to change about yourself or your life. Why is this change important? Now, that's an important question uh, because if you don't know the why, you will falter on the what. So... Why is this important? You have to preach it to yourself a little bit. Why is this on mission? Why is it on point? Why is this a blessing? What will make the change challenging? That's just a really useful tip uh, so that you don't get surprised when chaos attacks. If it's not, if the change isn't a little bit challenging, then it's probably not important enough to try. (laughs) Um, But what's going to What's going to trip you up? If you know it's coming, maybe you'll handle it better. And then finally, do you have uh, one or two friends or a a group that you'd particularly like to share your resolution with? Uh, Because uh, articulating it out loud to people in your life is a great way to make it real and to keep you on point. It's part of the reason that Nick shared his resolution this morning and invited us to kick his butt every week and ask him if he's following through on it. And Nick needs a lot of help. Good, good method. All right, I'll give you time. Go. From time to time, uh, those of us who... Uh, who uh, lead the church uh, from, the, from the core, ask ourselves, you know, well, what is, what is church for? What exactly are we trying to do around here? And 
and always it has to do, the answers has to do with, well, we're trying to empower a kingdom life. You know, when you come to Blue Water on Sundays, you should leave a little bit changed. You should leave a little bit more empowered, not just sort of uh, affirmed, but stirred, uh, which is why we do exercises like this, and we'll continue to do them in 2019. Your life is for a reason. Your life is for a purpose. You've got incredibly significant things to do in the world, and our pledge to you is to never let you forget that so that your salt and light, because if salt forgets its saltiness, it's good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled, Jesus says. You're made for a reason. You're here today for a reason. And exercises like this just sort of help us keep on point and help us to help each other keep on point. By and large, Satan doesn't kill you with devastating unbelief. Satan kills you with chaos. He kills you with distraction and delay and diffusion and vagueness. If you don't stay in focused motion, pressing on toward what is ahead, as Paul puts it, then you invariably drift into trouble. That's really the battle. If you opt to stand still, you fall behind. You either swim against the current or the current takes you. You either make powerful decisions and commitments or someone else makes decisions for you. Or you get locked in a pattern of non-decision that, that, uh, that ends up squandering your life. And life is a marathon. I know this. Life is hard. Life is a grind. You need a way to stay on it every day. And if you pull it off, life becomes rewarding. Life becomes rich. Relationships become different. And you experience an abundant life an abundant joy, and an abundant sense of purpose that really changes who you are from the inside out. In your purpose lies your power. And today, if you feel not a lot of power in your life, if you feel a little deflated, that's a problem. It's probably the problem uh, in your life. That's trouble. Because the big killer in life is not the spirit of no way. The big killer in life is the spirit of eh. It's the spirit of eh that we fight against more than any other spirit in the world. And so every week we're, tr- we're trying to attack mostly the spirit of eh. It's not the spirit of unbelief. It's the spirit of belief that doesn't really do much. Eh. You get it? That's why we're on this and why we do these little exercises We have to fight the spirit of eh. So everybody say, no eh. Blue water t-shirt, 2019. Uh, And you know, you can fix that. It must start with attitude, though. You know, don't seek to change your life by changing your circumstances. Seek to change your life by changing faith first. The kingdom of God is, is within you most fundamentally of all. It's not what goes into a man's mouth that sullies him. It's what comes out. It's what's going on in your heart, Jesus said. Uh, So we stick on this. Here's a great verse. Uh, I read it uh, almost every New Year's. Uh, One of my favorites from the old prophets from Isaiah 43. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am 
making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Do you believe that's true? What's your reaction to that? Is it exciting or is it eh? That's a good self-inventory question. 